Today is August 18th, 2023. Welcome to Native Calgarian. Oki, Naganago, Mekoche, Chestokom, Aki, or the Goats, Nogotine, Siku. My name is Red Thunder Woman. My married English name is Michelle Robinson, and I use she and her pronouns. I honor the Blackfoot as the elders have been kind to me on my Red Road journey. Elder Red Crane taught me how to pronounce my spirit name in Blackfoot, and Leonard Kenny taught me how to pronounce it in Satu Dene. My humblest apologies to the Blackfoot and Dene elders and language keepers as I try to learn proper pronunciation. My Dene lineage roots me in the land of the Great Bear Lake tribe in Treaty 11. My people wore rabbit skin, so it's been referred to as the land of the hair people. I am a native to Turtle Island, and my Dene nation is a visitor to this area of Tinchotine Indahe in Satu Dene, meaning many big dog town, named after the Calgary Stampede. I was born in Calgary, or in Blackfoot, Mokinstis, as Michelle Elliott, an English name that has afforded me privilege in an English colonial world. My mother is Northern Slavey Dene, or Satu Dene, but my Indian Act imposed status card by the Canadian government says Yellow Knives Dene, which puts me in Treaty 8. Uh, through my father, I am a daughter of the Mayflower and a daughter of the American Revolution while having a Canadian Indian Act imposed status card, which is a, a colonial construct by Canadian policies meant to divide Indigenous peoples' inherent rights. Indigenous Two-Spirit or the Indigenous 2S LGBTQ community and Indigenous women are at the bottom of the Canadian socioeconomic ladder because of colonial trauma, imposed poverty, racism, gendered violence, and land theft. I do not speak on behalf of all Indigenous, but I share my journey. As a Denning woman who has attempted to run for harmful colonial parties, spent money to be at expensive conventions, left my home to travel to those conventions just to vote on incomplete policies that still allow for incarceration, a denial of justice, a denial of healthcare services, racism, colonial trauma, and genocide of Indigenous and Black peoples, I have worked to continue reports to advocate for and attempt to work within these systems meant to harm me and my community. I think of all of this today as we honor the many Indigenous lives lost for the so-called country named Canada. I see your role in the importance of stopping harm and as a citizen, see your role in reconciliation and as a treaty partner. Pride Month should never just be one month. It's important to understand it was the straight agenda and gendered violence that was and is forced on these lands by Christian outsiders. Land acknowledgements are critical for creating a safer space for Indigenous, as well as honoring the host as a guest and acknowledging your role as a treaty partner in a so-called time of reconciliation. It's important your land acknowledgements have meaning. I encourage everyone to introduce themselves with an acknowledgement of their ancestries stories of displacement, how you perceive your role as a treaty partner, a citizen of Canada, a refugee, or other land displacement, so we as Indigenous people know how safe you are to be around. If you won't pronounce your local Indigenous nation's names, won't say your pronouns, won't say your story of origin, won't acknowledge stolen lands, economic oppression, or your role in reconciliation, I determine how safe you are to be around my community, my family, and myself. Understanding land acknowledgements and their importance is Indigenous 101, because it immediately addresses colonialism, oppression dynamics, broken treaties, and lies taught today in Canadian schools nationally. That's why settlers and those who call themselves a native Calgarian or whatever town you're from, you show me that you have no Indigenous 101 understanding. Uh, Jesse Winty's book, Unreconciled, or uh, it, 
so many other Indigenous authored books actually explain these ideas and concepts. Land Back is a movement that could save the planet from climate change created by colonialism, but it would be a part of a treaty partnership, part of meaningful reconciliation, and honoring global initiatives like the United Nations Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous People. I'm speaking to you on the lands of the Nitsitapi, which is the Blackfoot Confederacy. The Blackfoot south of the imposed U.S.-Canadian border are the Blackfeet, and north of the border are the Siksika, Gainai, Pagani of the Confederacy. These lands are now Treaty 7, signed in 1877, with signatures that, of course, are the Blackfoot Confederacy, and now the Stony Nations and the Dene from Sutina. I acknowledge all First Nation, Métis, Inuit, status and non-status across Turtle Island as the keepers of these lands. All non-Indigenous are treaty partners with the government signing on your behalf. My Patreon account is Native Calgarian, where you can pledge and support. Thank you, previous donors, for showing your support. If you value listening and watching and can afford to give, thank you. For those who cannot afford to give, I'd love to hear from you at nativeyyc at gmail.com, where you can send in your comments or your questions. Also, giving a review helps whatever medium you're listening from. I have a YouTube channel that you can go and subscribe. Go to nativecalgarian.com for the latest podcasts and pen posts on social media. So I'm honored to have a friend back and I'll let her introduce herself in her way. Thank you, Michelle. My name is Marina Crane and I'm from Sutina. Um, I was born in Sioux Valley, Manitoba and I have eight grand, great grandparents and four grandparents that like have the Dakota background. Um, what else? Uh, I've grown up um, going to school in the city of Calgary, like with with non-Indigenous people. And so, Michelle, a lot of times when you're talking about the inherent rights of Indigenous people and just the systemic racism, like I, I didn't know how unique I was until uh, I started talking to non-Indigenous people like in the city of Calgary. And the re reality of it is I, I, I tell a lot of other Indigenous people, I, I grew up with different types of non-Indigenous people. City, city people are different than rural people. And um, so for me, when, when, I, um, when I address myself as Sutina, it's, um, you know, it's, it's um, a place where I've grown up and a place where I uh, help people and also like from birth to death. And, and I think a lot of times when it comes to being an indigenous woman, I think a lot of times um, feminism gets caught up only because um, when we, when we're here, we, we never, um, you know, we live and we die here. Mm -hmm. And so anything that happens to uh, a, a woman, it, like it, it, it stays with us throughout our lives. We, we don't leave, whereas like uh, in the city, you know, urban Indians, uh, indigenous people, they can move. There's no consequences to their actions. So so when you asked me if I wanted to be public, I said yes, mm -hmm. only because um, when my blog came out, I became anonymous. And so for uh, the first um, couple of years, I went on WordPress and then I switched to uh, Google. Um, because I switched to Google, I started getting more feedback. And um, 
I didn't realize uh, the impact. I I did have some training in computers earlier. So as old as I am, I'm 71 years old. Uh, when when I first met Nathan Chasing Horse, I was 54. Mm -hmm. And um, prior to that, when I was 30, I worked in the state hospital for Utah, looking after uh, high-risk teenage girls, 24-7 suicide watch. Mm. And uh, I studied psychology in the States. And um, in, in the process of studying psychology, and again, out of my community, out of my country, like in a totally different environment, I truly believe that that uh, that helped me heal. Mm. And because of that, I was I empowered myself to um, look at my own psychological makeup. And a, a lot of times when um, without knowing it, I uh, was bonding to mental health workers. The colonial system, you know, white is right. And and I and I shouldn't have I shouldn't have, but yet at the same time I I don't regret it. But I also say to people, you know, if you want to go to therapy, go to therapy. Um, I'm not saying that it didn't help me. I I just think that um, 17 years ago and even 50 years ago, there were not that very many Indigenous therapists or people working in the field of mental health. And um, I was director of education in Sutina. And I needed uh, some um, cross-cultural help. So I sought out some psychologists that had been trained in Indigenous culture, but I didn't realize that we were such a commodity. Like sure. we're a moneymaker. Sure. And uh, yeah, and this year it really you know, opened my eyes. And I thought, why, why am I, again, this colonial system, I think it's because of my age too. Mm. <laughs> I mean, rather, I mean, learn late rather than never at all. Yeah. And and um, I I think because of uh, intergenerational trauma and also um, the lateral violence that I experienced with my own um, sexual assault experience here in my community, I uh, when I started trying to warn people about Nathan Chasing Horse, I kept myself anonymous, mm -hmm. and uh, the followers within my family had alerted other followers of Nathan's to harass me. And that's the only way they knew who I was. Other than that, even my community don't haven't don't even know I've written this blog. I mean, I've kept myself anonymous. Uh, that being said, um, when we first had our our interview, and um, and when Nathan Chasing Course got arrested, I was approached by different uh, investigative reporters, mm -hmm. and because I agreed to the interview, the um, epiphany of the transition from private to public really rocked my world because yes. I had been depending so much on white psychologists to um, back me up. And um, when I sit on committees for the city of Calgary and we talk about anti-racism and I say, well, um, I'm 71. They started fencing Sutina 71 years ago when my grandfather was chief. And, and even though we had industrial schools in the late 1800s, the Mohawks and the Six Nations and the people in Ontario, the Indigenous people, have had like at least 200 years more experience dealing with systemic racism. And, and so when we have newcomers coming into Calgary 
and they're not educated about systemic racism. It's it's very important that that uh, knowledge keepers and indigenous elders talk about their experience, that there's a space. So I, I want to thank you, Michelle, for creating the space. Because a lot of times when I talk to people, I say, it's the space. We get the comment from one of uh, the knowledge keepers who has a PhD had said that uh, we're just overstudied. And um, so, so when I invited one of the investigators into my home, I smudged and I, and I said, this, this is uh, the whole purpose. When we meet with the city or anybody, we smudge. And it could be any ceremony, pipe ceremony, but it has to be indigenous. It can't be appropriated. It can't be adopted by non-indigenous people to use it because it's our history. It's our trauma. It's our way of healing from trauma. And, and anybody who uh, who's a psychologist, social worker, police who think that they have this you know, magical wand because they know Marina Crane or they know, you know, some prestigious person off in the background. I'm going, no, there is no way. I know I've lived in the States. I know I could never be white. I got 6% non-Indigenous. Anyway, that's another story. Someone got raped somewhere. Just kidding. <laughs> well, it's it's terrible, but the reality of it is true. And I, yeah. uh, I'm not skipping the subject, but but systemic racism, especially when it comes to Black Americans, yeah. and just the the stopping of slavery in the eight the middle 1800s, and they said they stopped it because Europeans think like they're so sophisticated, and they and their like religious background says we are Christian and we stop slavery. And I'm going, no, you made farms, you bred. You bred people, you made slaves, you 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 raped and pillaged. Yep. And so when you do the DNA of Black Americans and the Y chromosome that's passed on to their sons, 25 to 35% have European Y chromosome now instead of African. And when they do that same DNA test for Indigenous people, only 1% of Y chromosome from Black Americans passed to their sons. So you so even though they erase history, the proof is in the DNA. Yeah. And you know, because I because I, I a lot of times you have scholars trying to erase indigenuity. Yes. You know, and yeah. saying, um, you know, like um, we are the first people, and I'm going, uh, I don't think so. Yeah. And and the reason why I mentioned um Eastern Canada is because in, in Western Canada, we're unique. Um my um my father and mother traveled to South America and India only because the grandson of Mahatma Gandhi came through looking for trade in forest lumber. And then um, a lot of the third world countries in South America needed capitalism. So they so they said. Yeah. And they took my father and said, under the under the umbrella of religiosity, and um, bless my parents' hearts, they they preached it. And so, um, and it, it was a horrible time. I mean, um, Mitch Bingham, Hiram Bingham's, Hiram Bingham, I think, or Mitch Bingham, one of them discovered, had uncovered Machu Picchu. And um, so my parents went there and then my father was going down a copper mine, and it was all rickety. And uh, 
uh, Rajmahan was impressed with my father's bravery, so he invited him to India two years later. And then that was the time when uh, John F. Kennedy was assassinated mm -hmm. because the, the people were you know, scared about the atomic bomb. And my mother said, she said, I looked out at the market and she said, over the loudspeaker, they said what had happened. She says, and everybody in the, in the, in the market just fell to the ground and started praying because they thought it was the end of the world. Wow. So, so things like that, that, you know, when, when my parents came back and they, uh, and I was in the city of Calgary with uh, kids, my age, them calling me squaw wagon burner. I said, you know, we human sacrificed. <laughs> like, come on, you're dealing with an indigenous person here who has a lot of anger. And <laughs> <laughs> you know, I really, yeah. if I can't, humor out of it and that's the key thing too is like as indigenous people intergenerational trauma we've we've I learned to be comical yeah and and uh, so when we're doing cross-cultural exchanges especially with the city of Calgary and knowledge keepers and in indigenous elders it's important that uh, non-indigenous people and I and I mean like when I talk about humor I know that it's in with black people and other diverse cultures. Yeah. The European yeah. culture is totally different in how they handle trauma. Yeah. And 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 for me, when when I talk about trauma and I'm talking to a non-Indigenous person, it's like really overwhelming. Yeah. And I say, well, if it triggers you, you know, you know, like I I I don't mean to have it triggered, but at the same time, when they say, oh, Marina, that's so bad, and I'm going, no, wait a minute, you're reflecting your life on me without even understanding how I exist. Sure. So so when when uh, we have discussions and we say we create ceremony, we create safe spaces, those things are part of truth and reconciliation. Those things were taken away from us. Uh, when, when, when we allow a non-Indigenous person to dictate to us how our ceremonies run, how our artwork is supposed to be, how we are supposed to behave psychologically, mm -hmm. then that's keeping us private, silencing yeah. us, like yeah. in your residential yeah. school. It's the shift from privacy to public. Now, I grew up, when my parents were in South America, I I got ill and my parents' friend was a teacher. I was in isolation in Charles Kemsel Hospital. I did not know and I did not understand the definition of the dome. Okay, there's a dome of safety when I'm around a white person, and it's it's it it happens throughout my life, and and I think that's why I gravitated to uh, psychologists that were white, mm. because it's like a safety thing because it's an unconscious thing, you know when you're being attacked as an indigenous person if you're with a white person, this dome comes over and people start listening to you. Yeah. So in this yeah. hospital, they put me behind the nurse's desk, the doctor's desk for safety because I had white guardians and I didn't realize like on, like about a few days before I was released they put me in the dorm and I was like I was um, um, bullied because my English was so good anyway that being said um, the public realm is a difficult thing for indigenous women who live in first nations to be comfortable in because there's the dome also means that you're married to an indigenous man and and 
I spoke to a non-Indigenous friend of mine. She says, well, Maureen, I have respect too for, for um, women who are married. And I, I'd sooner talk to the woman and the, her to talk to the husband. She says, that's just human behavior, like all human beings. And I said to her, yes. However, understand this. People who live in the city can move. If somebody offends somebody or there's a divorce or something, people move. In Indigenous communities, we don't have that luxury. Mm-hmm. How we how we cope with love medicine, bad medicine, your medicine being put on you, and those psychological terms, those are that's called infatuation, limerence, and love bombing. Mm-hmm. Psychological terms that are so rampant on uh, social media, mm-hmm. but yet if you don't have critical thinking skills, then you sort of it sort of gets bastardized, mm-hmm. and I think that's probably why um, when when they have cults. And you have you have a man like Nathan Chasing Horse who recruited a lot of young people who had a lot of anger and hate, yep. uh, based yep. on systemic racism. Uh, that that were they were so easy to be recruited, mm-hmm. and yet at the same time, the followers that he had had a history of of family violence, they had a history of um, maybe being vulnerable from they were FASE, or they had a mental illness or they were hiding their sex crime within the sweats and Sundance. And and um, so so I try to say to people, uh, he, he, he flourished because he moved, he was creating these domes all over and he was taking the place of the colonial, colonial mindset, the white person. So, so he goes into different communities and then people see this dome and say, oh, we can voice our opinion. But yet they don't realize they're victimizing because they're in this cult. They have they have this mind control, and and they'll go to the point where they'll sacrifice their own lives for him. And it's it's such a despicable um, reality of how powerful our human minds are. Sure. And I, I you know and I say to people we we ninety four percent of our brain capacity is on networking, and how critical we understand. Uh, our own identity. Our identity is based on like 6%, you know, like eating, sleeping and sexual activity. That's it. The rest of it is networking. Mm-hmm. So I, um, I don't know. I, I think, I think uh, part of what I like about you, Michelle, is the fact that you say like, look, there's systemic racism, you know, in the police system, there's systemic racism everywhere in the hospitals. Yeah. Um, I didn't realize just how, how uh because i was so private yeah in my community that i didn't realize like all the issues of black and other minorities have in the city of calgary sure and and um the fact that we have to have discussions on systemic racism and what it looks like so the conversation that i brought up was that my niece had reported nathan chasing horse and where are her records i'd had various women approach me and saying you know, I thought you said he was, um, you know, there was a warrant out for his arrest. And I said, no, I said, he's a person of interest. Because that's all Sutana had had was a person of interest. And so the since the podcast, I've been trying to get information from the city. And I just found out that they haven't found my niece's records. However, even the sexual assault unit won't disclose if any Indigenous women reported him. Because they said if it's an active case, they can't. But understand this, if you have jurisdiction with the city of Calgary, the RCMP and tribal police, 
then where is the money and the capacity when you have indigenous relations offices in the city of Calgary and in the police department mm -hmm. in terms of safety? We're talking safety of indigenous girls and women. Yeah. And yeah. and so so when I say uh, you have to have that approach of um, smudging ceremonies when you're talking with um, agencies within the city, because even though we have in our people dying in those cities from drug overdose, from murder, we we they come home to our communities, our First Nations communities, and we bury them. Yeah. And you know we're having an epidemic right now this summer, more 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 precedent than anything that we've ever felt or experienced, and yet the news media isn't picking it up. No, um, I'm so disappointed with news media, and that's why I have the podcast because, you know, on every podcast I talk about that issue, and I I know for a lot of non-indigenous like they just don't get it, and so we're experiencing genocide ongoing not just because of policies that were invented in the 1800s, because of policies of today that continue. I was flabbergasted by the mayor and by the city of Calgary that they took off the doors for the bus shelters at Christmas time when it was minus 40. You know, like they, they want our people who are intergenerational trauma survivors of 60 Scoop and the Indian Residential School to literally freeze to death and or have amputation. And I, I never thought I'd see the ugliest of humanity until that moment at Christmas time. And yet the average Calgarian, even though I've talked about it consistently, goes in one ear out the other. They do not care. And, and in fact, I think you and I know why. The sooner you and I and all of our people are eliminated, the sooner they can feel great about all the stolen land that there is and not actually ever accommodating us as part of the treaty holders. And I, I'm so disappointed with non-Indigenous people and all of the folks in leadership that are in these colonial parties and uh, colonial governance when they have the opportunity to do so much and choose not to. And, and they squabble over the stupidest things. Like uh, right now, today, um, we have Global Fest. Last night was the first night Last night, they had these fireworks. It started some of the grass on fire. So emergency uh, communities were in there, or uh, like uh, fire departments and, and ambulance and such. You know, uh, tens of thousands of people are leaving Elliston Park, and it looks like a zombie apocalypse. So somebody took a video, posted it on Twitter, and a, a friend of mine, and um, she said that uh, this is what it looks like. This is what's happening. And somebody from Australia says, explain to me like I'm five, why it is your country is completely on fire. You are evacuating people from major towns and you're still having fireworks. Like we have water restrictions in the city of Calgary right now. I have cousins that are coming all the way from Yellowknife to my uncles. And we're just having fireworks, no biggie. Like nothing in this city makes a lick of sense from an indigenous point of view nothing like I, I i can't there's not a decision they can make that doesn't seem racist and horrible and putting people's lives at danger like i, I can't think of anything that they're doing that is they, they say it's for safety but there's no safety there's no safety anywhere there's a a fellow last name's a a, a, a c h i l l e 
M-B-E-M-B-E. He's a Black author from Africa, and he's quoted a word called necropolitics, where it sums up that society dictates who lives or who dies. And um, the reality of it is like when you have colonial states like Ghana, who've been colonized, and yet the majority of the population is Black. Yep. And, and then, and then you want, and then, so they've had a history longer than Western Canada about, of systemic racism and how they've seen how society dictates in their own country who lives and who dies. And, and, and yet here in Canada, when we say murdered and missing Indigenous women or even policing, like, like I, I, I reviewed the podcast and like I said, there was a woman in politics last BC who just quit because there was no support from patriarchy. Yep. I know yep. people can complain about feminism, but you know, excuse me, there are women dying. There are women being killed. There are women who are reporting sexual assault and the police are, aren't doing anything. And I, I use my example like 17 years ago, I, it was 25 year, 27 years ago, it was a 25 year case. It took 25 years for me to go to court I, six years of investigation, I went through three RCMP officers. I was a real bitch. Each one transferred or quit. And I was sitting on the woman's emergency shelter and I was associated with some non-Indigenous women who helped me sure. through networking. And they sat me down and they said, Marina, when you go to court, the judge is not misogynist. The police is not, the police are okay and the lawyers. She said, we've, we've done investigations from different provinces where they've come from, and there's no history of spousal abuse. And it shocked me. It shocked me that white society hides the, you know, their, their own violence against women yeah. without yeah. even talking about it. And then, and then you, you wonder, well, why is it then that non-Indigenous women aren't owning it? Like, like for me, when people say, oh, Marina, you're strong. I'm going, no, I'm being strong because I'm dealing with trauma right now. Yes. I'm not yes. being strong because I'm I'm open to be uh, loved and accepted. This is, this is what trauma bonding is or what trauma is. I'm owning it. Why can't other people that are not of color, that yes. aren't Black yes. or minorities talking about it? Yep. Because yeah. um, I... I uh, I had got, I had, I went to the uh, RCMP commission and within months with the help of non-Indigenous women, they, they, they issued an arrest warrant. Like it took that. So when I started my blog and I, I knew just because of the way Sutana Belize handled me, again, an Indigenous elder, understand this, I was 54 educated woman who lived away from the in another country by myself you know working yeah it, it took it took the suit to the police to come here to my home and apologize we're sorry how we treated you we should have called nathan chasing horse ourselves and we should have had him come in you should have been kept anonymous they apologized to me and yet and yet i'm saying no you know what the heck you know, when we have a gauge of like, like in, in reality, he, he should have, he should have been brought in, should have, would have, could have. Mm -hmm. It's all in the past now. It's in on my blog. 
Sure. But the reality of it is that is that why did I did I didn't have that dome. I didn't have a husband who's going to go down to the tribal police and say, you need to talk to my wife. No, that's why I'm talking. When I say I'm I, I'm an Indigenous woman, I may look strong, but I, I, I sacrificed a lot. And and I outlived a lot of people. It took um, my resilience. I don't want to use the word resilience because I think that's a colonial term. When it, because because most people in terms of feminism too, it's 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 in a society where uh, they don't believe um, their society or community is a living organism. Yep. Like you know when you talk about the environment and how people don't see the world as a living organism. But if you start off within your home and your community and you you see how just the energy that you have has a ripple effect. So uh, I mean, as much as the hoodoo voodoo magic of Nathan Chasing Horse and his ability to have his um, his followers sing sacred songs and, you know, put uh, medicine in the smudge so the people who are attending get high and you know, they hallucinate and, you know, he indoctrinates them saying, no, it's like he doesn't even mention drugs. But yet here are these innocent, vulnerable people thinking that it's the, that he has communication with the dead, <laughs> that he has communication with the grandfathers and grandmothers. And yet he has no community like like in order to have that connection with with the ancestors, you have to know the people who came before you. And the only way you know that is when you live in a community where you grow up and you you live until the end of, um, end of your time. That's why when people practice, they want to practice sweats and sundowns. And I'm going, if you don't live in a First Nations community where people hold you accountable for you throughout your whole life, then then why are you doing it? And if they need to recover from trauma, I'll say, go ahead. Mm -hmm. It's a long it's a long journey. Look at me. I'm. I'm 71 years old. It took me until this year to go move transition into the public cell. You know, Marina, I, I have to just totally back off of what you're saying and agree with you. So because I'm an Indigenous woman in a white supremacist society, I've had to constantly focus on this issue of racism in order to heal. So I've kind of gotten to know a few different creators that are uh, women of color. And I, I just recently got onto an email of um, Ginzelle Allen. I just forwarded you this email because this came on my uh, email this morning and it is so good. Um, she, she says, I bet sometimes it feels like no matter what you do, people in your life insist on assigning you the role of the strong one, the resilient one superwoman, superhuman, but I see you because I am you. You are soft, vulnerable, sensitive, tired as fuck of carrying the weight of the world. But for some reason, it feels like no one sees that or cares about it, no matter how hard you try. Folks very rarely ask if you need support and just assume you've got it. Even worse, most folks expect you to take care of them. Let's talk about why. It's because of this layered uh, deep with white supremacy. Let's start with how people perceive you. As a person of color, white supremacy has presented a narrative that presents you as having less needs. Over time, even folks of color have internalized these narratives. And that's why our loved ones assume that we are self-sufficient and have no needs. 
So let's talk about how your generational trauma plays into why you're not getting the support you need. As a person of color, you are used to not having your needs met in systemic ways. Uh, POC communities have been starred of things like equity, safety, justice, dignity, housing, money, and the list goes on. You have developed a trauma response of being extremely independent. You take care of everything. And here's the real kicker. Sometimes likely um, you need pr to protect other people from your sadness, neediness, and vulnerability because you don't want to, them to worry or inconvenienced, be inconvenienced. So long story short, thanks to generational of racial and gender-based trauma, you can pri prioritize other people's needs over your own. <laughs> and it talks about how white supremacy has just set us up for failure. It goes on and on. So like, just to like, I hope amplify your message that you just said and why it is that this is so complex when trying to bring uh, a spiritual cult leader to justice when we've never experienced justice and we are so um like there's so many barriers for us to ever get that justice so i just hope that amplifies what you're saying and gives you like that understanding like that credibility because other women of color are going through this as well of course my biggest pet peeve with the equity diversity and inclusion you know world is that they they don't come from a decolonized point of view so they don't see themselves as treaty partners and they don't see this as stolen land and they don't see as, you know, working together with indigenous people as, you know, the treaty partners. So that, that's my, my criticism of that world. But the upside is, is that, you know, we're, we really are in this together. And I've, you know, forwarded that to other uh, women of color in my life that are, I think, leaders in this conversation of like racial conversations that we're trying to dismantle systemic barriers with um I don't know if we are frankly <laughs> I get pretty disappointed I, well, I, I, yeah I I, I agree because I mean after after I uh, did the interviews I thought I I became obsessed mm -hmm. and then I, I I I started doing my daily prayers and saying please protect these people who I con I'm in contact with <laughs> protect them against me because you know like all that systemic or the intergenerational trauma yeah it i'm aware of it i'm aware of it and yet and yet like that's what i'm trying to say is like because of the awareness i'm i'm vulnerable so so it's okay to be vulnerable and that's why i said okay i i won't um i entered into i entered into a relationship when this crew came into my home i smudged I cannot go back on that, no matter how hard I, you know, like I fight against myself, my like whatever trauma, things that I'm engaging in on a daily basis, like isolation, grieving, um, uh, chronic stress, triggers that trigger um, limerence, triggers that trigger love bombing. Yeah. Like those, things, unless you actually have had guidance to, maneuver through these potholes of difficulty and and that each time you um hit a pothole uh, unless you have those skills then then you you're going to you're going to be wallowing in those potholes of sorrow and that's what our youth are going through yes our youth are hitting those potholes and they're dying yes they're like um 
during the month of July, my sister lost her two in-laws in their 50s, a brother and sister. My friend lost her, her brother and sister-in-law again in their 50s, both from drug overdoses. Oh, no. We, you know, we've had so much death. Yeah. And even Kainai, they, they've lost so many people. And then in, on the Blackfeet in Montana, yeah. like two to three people a week they're burying. My friend is dying in Toronto. Oh. Beautiful man. Every time I go to meetings in public art, he'd, he'd, uh, he'd validate me. He'd create this dome of safety for me. And, and everybody would listen. Everybody would have to listen because he's providing this for me out of respect. But I try and tell people, I moved from, I, ha I, I had no dome my whole life because I've never been married. I don't have kids. As I've moved into elder statehood, all of a sudden this respect, this dome is placed. Now, here's this young man dying. I call his mother. She says, because I, I think he might recover. And they did a GoFundMe. And they have to do a GoFundMe because the blood reserve has no money. They buried, they've been using it to bury their people. Yeah. Heartbreaking that his mother has to be here in Alberta when her son is in Toronto. Yeah. And and I, I say, uh, you know, the, the respect that he that as an artist, an indigenous young artist, to to understand this dome of safety. That, that's what our young people um, are missing, those yes. teachings. Yes. And uh, and uh, one of the, you know, when I, 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 I don't need to trigger people, but okay. I know my friend told me, take care of yourself. Yeah. you know paint or do something but again I say you know they people don't get it they may react to me and say oh gee something's the matter with her again the stereotypes of what they think indigenous women are or what indigenous communities are or even the stereotype oh she's strong and I'm going you 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 gotta apply it to yourself you cannot judge me unless you're looking at yourself in terms of you having had limerence or you having been love bombed and how do you deal with this you can move to another neighborhood yeah. in our communities we live here we have to live with this generation after generation growing up and saying oh how did that person meet that person oh they were medicines <laughs> like like the whole the the whole nature of how to interpret you know behavior that's not healthy yeah we have that in our communities, but yet people want to re-examine it. Like I said, therapists and psychologists and policemen and lawyers that aren't Indigenous coming into our community thinking they have the answer. or And they're trying to make money off of us. Yeah. I mean, I, I, uh, I didn't realize that that's a subtle way of love bombing. And, and for me, um, being public and having people that I've developed relationship with 10 to 20, 30 years, I've had to walk away from as a lesson that I've had to learn because of this, this, this blog and the podcasts that I had, sure. you know, it's, sure. it's, it's the reality of, of what's out there for our young people. I'm, I'm, uh, you know, like I've, I've had a life experience. I've, I've got some knowledge and I can, and I can walk through this, but the young people, the young people who have to put up with the systemic racism and 
just uh, those barriers. When when um, when I was talking uh, about um, just being in infancy when it comes to systemic racism, as opposed to uh, the Black Africans coming into Canada mm. or the Black Americans from the United States. Um, you know, I, 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 uh, I'm really humbled in the sense that I, I do feel very young and naive when, when there's so much, so much of culture in, in our communities, when we, when we, um, bury someone, the, the community comes together. Yeah. And then in New yeah. Orleans, like they have, you know, parades to the cemetery, you know, parades saying we've, you've done, you've gone through this life of racism and systemic racism the next life, you don't have to live like this. You're, you're, you know, they're celebrating their life that they don't have to live through this racism, and that that's the reality. But yet, you know, non-indigenous people are looking at it as like, oh, jazz, oh, you know, music, or oh, oh, rock and roll. You know, I, I mean, even uh, Robbie Robinson who passed away, and just the fact that, you know, his mom says, "Be careful who you tell that you're indigenous." You know, and, and that's the thing. When I become public and whatever I say, that fear was in me, what, four months ago? Sure. And I'm sure. glad I don't need to have that anymore. You know, I don't need to be afraid of how a person thinks about me. When I die, people may, may mourn me a week, a month. Within a year, I'm I'm gone. And so why am I worried about what non-Indigenous people think about me when it comes to this blog? And for me, trying to step up and save young girls and women and trying to say to them, if I had the courage after 25 years to take the man who raped me to court, you can do it too. Yeah. If I had the courage to fight the police to gather information, you can do it too. If I had the courage to try and find support out there, invisible helping hands from other women that aren't indigenous, you can do it too. It's it's amazing, like that that um, all of a sudden because he's he was arrested, people started noticing me. I'm going, why? This problem has been here before I was even born. You know, just just the murdering and killing. You know, my my one of my grandmothers um, was killed. She was pregnant, fighting. She fell on her 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 knife. There are towns. In, there's a town in South Dakota that was created because white settlers were uh, scalping pregnant Indigenous women to get two scalps. Where's that history in the history books? Just right. like I mentioned, just what I mentioned about ending slavery. Those history books and all the hundreds of thousands of Black people and Indigenous people who died yes. are all covered by colonizers. Yep. Like, like I say, even you look at the Roman Empire, they came into England and they colonized England. Then what happened? The English started colonizing and became the greatest colonizers on the face of the earth. And here we are as Indigenous people. We have to think we cannot become colonizers how many prayers of our ancestors have we lived through so we will not become colonizers? Creator didn't ask us. They didn't give a, teach us about money or greed. You know, we, we you know, what we lived and how we prayed. And I, I tell people, Nathan Chasing Horse practiced spirituality. There's a 
thing called spiritual activism that all human beings need to practice. When you practice that, then you're helping save another human being. Mm -hmm. And that's why when he came into our community and, and because of the way I was raised, I thought because of spiritual activism, he was fighting to save lives. And the fact that, that, that he destroyed my niece's life, mm -hmm. that he's destroyed some girls' lives in this community and continued for 17 years. But even before that, he was destroying girls. You know, it, it and breaking up families in California. And to this day, there are still people who believe he's innocent. He, you know, since he was arrested, I've had fears that, you know, the FBI or the the people in, in the states are going to uh, set him free. Mm -hmm. Again, why? Because indigenous women don't mean nothing. We're hunted. You know, it's it's a shame. It's a shame. And that's why when I when I say look at Sutina police, they 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 put in more charges against him. But that's because we have historical records. What about the peop other indigenous people in the Treaty 7 area or even within the city? Who, who has documentation of that? If they don't have any documentation, then that's proof we don't mean anything. That right. means we're invisible. That's the sad reality of it. That's that's no, why. Society and you're right. And that's why I tried to read that piece about our, you know, our, we we don't experience justice. So we are expected to do so many things. And, you know, given these racist tropes, like we're so resilient when it's like we're resilient because you're so racist, you know, because of your white supremacy, because of your lack of, um, in, of equality, your lack of justice that you are affording because they dehumanize us. They can't even file our reports. Like it's maddening. It is maddening. We're, we're trying to encourage these women to stand up for themselves and these damn police can't even take a and make a file of course we're invisible i echo your statements well even look at the landfill my my cousin's son disappeared he could be there yeah you know when when we're trying to say to people genocide's happening they, they, their, their ears, they lose their ability to hear. You know, and, and even as much as we sing and yell and scream, they, they, they can't hear us. Yeah, they're not. They say we're listening, but you, you're not hearing what we're saying. No, I block your children. I, yeah, I block a lot of those folks who think they're allies because they won't do anything. You know, like simple things to complex things. Some, yes. if I get them to read a book, they think that they go like this for about the rest of their life. I read a book once about a native. It's like, fuck, right off. We have girls oh. that are in landfills. We have kids that are in our landfills. And you're, you're see, happy you read a book? Yay for you. See, see the thing that really frustrated me um, after I did the help, like we did the podcast was the reflection of how many mental health workers Nathan Chasing Horse was around. And, and just the fact that the non-Indigenous mental health workers wanted to have a relationship with him. Why? So they could learn how to smudge. 
They could learn a song of how to do ceremony. Non-Indigenous people categorizing, you know, other like these victims as having, you know, like, oh, they're in limerence, they're infatuated. They're, you know, they're, they're, they've got this intergenerational trauma. They want to uh, show off, show him off as a boyfriend. They did that. They did that because why? They wanted to go to non-insured health benefits and say, look, we, I know what it is to be Indigenous because I have Indigenous friends. Just like you say, I have this book I've read. Mm -hmm. That's what's so disgusting. That's what's so disgusting to me. And the reality of it is, yes, I did study psychology. I do have an education. I do have a voice. If if I didn't have that, Michelle, I could have easily said to those men who interviewed me, forget it. I could have easily said that. That's why it hurts me so much because I hope they understand that. Yeah. It's not a question of my wanting any kind of fame or glory. I have no choice. There are people, young people dying no. They're they don't dying. understand. They don't understand the odds that we're up against. And like for for me, I mean, I put my my uh, neck out there, and I talked to the CBE about um, a predatory elder, and they act as if that I never talked to them. And I put my neck out for that. And that that elder is still around children today, and I I'm disgusted with the amount of people that know that we've told the mother told until they see a police report they can't do anything so they're just going to allow this predator to continue in that system well, and so I, we, we I stick our neck out and for what the police won't file reports the cbe won't take out a predatory elder like we are and and why are we doing it not for fame because literally because we need these kids to be protected and and here we are we're still going through this well, part of the knowledge keepers and uh, indigenous elders were saying, we're sitting here at this meeting. Are our grandchildren going to be sitting here in this meeting doing the same thing we're doing? Yep. Because believe me, my grandparents were doing the same thing I'm doing now. And, and because nobody's taking action. No. And, I, yet, I, and then I say, yeah. I was so angry when they did the, I think it was like three days of the city listening to people of color talk about the racism in the city, because what that said to me was one, they couldn't read our books that told them that this was happening. Two, your grandparents, you, me, my grandkids are gonna say the same thing to them over and over, and that's gonna go in one ear and out the other. They're not gonna act upon it. So you were, when we sit at these tables and they ignore our grandparents, us, it just shows us that we don't matter. We are invisible to them and they don't care. Yeah, I, to, to me, to me, I think um, uh, Nathan Chasing Horse, like I said, he created this dome in the, the communities he went to. Yeah. I think he got so comfortable that when he started living in Nevada, like it took him actually to stay in one place for them to catch him. Mm -hmm. And it took it took 17 years for his victims to to have the courage to say something. Yeah. That's why for me, it was 25 years, 21 years before I wrote a report. And and then even then, like how many women the these serial rapists victimized yeah. who who as 
older than me who are still in that private self who will never go from private to public because they're, they're, they're frozen in fear of their husbands, their husband's relatives, family violence, and whatever, whatever ritual abuse they've encountered in intergender, like residential schools, 60 scoop foster homes. Like that's, that's the reality of, of, um, uh, just the the legacy of the people who came before us and the reality of it is uh, by dealing with our own our own emotional work honors those who came before us yes yes and that's you. why I said it, you know you, you, when I look at myself and I see what I've done and I say that's why I say I I say to create or protect those people who I've come in contact with. Yeah. I don't mean to hurt them. Mm-hmm. And that's not even, Michelle, that's not even physical. That's not even verbal. I'm asking for protection at a spiritual level, spiritual activism, yeah. fighting and healing against white supremacy. Yeah. You know, so I appreciate, I appreciate, uh, you know, how you've shared your time with me and uh as much as um nathan's coming to court on the 23rd and i know my blog uh, is going to be bombarded by people i've tried to do a lot of cross-cultural uh uh essays uh to try and help educate people who will actually read and hear what i'm saying yeah it isn't it isn't for the lack of not being educated it isn't for the lack of not being around non-indigenous people my whole life right my whole life i didn't have to be married to a, a white man or a black man or you know asian or or an american or whatever religion catholic mormonism jewish didn't have to didn't have to you know it's just it's just the reality of of um, my own struggle and it's just me but i sure hope that that um, young people We'll, we'll, we'll just not give up. My, mo- my late mother, you know, tried to commit suicide a couple of times. And when she started talking about Indian residential school, even how she'd uh, project her anger and hate towards me, she'd say to me, she says, I, I see it, I hear it coming out of my mouth and I can't stop myself. She says, I know this affected me in my marriage. Like she had that insight and she was an elder. Mm-hmm. And I try and tell people that she would pray and she'd say to me, she said, the creator wants us to fight and heal. Yes. We, we, can't, we can't end our lives because other people are depending on us. You know, I'd, I'd say to my mom, you know, you you had it rough. You, my grandmother had it hard, hard. You know, she was five years old when she ran away from Mankato, Minnesota. Mm-hmm. And then her, then my great grandmother in her thirties, you know, watching those men hang, in a way, you know, running away, seeing seeing their relatives bob wired around trees with grasshoppers eating their eyes out because settlers killed them you know then now we have Boucher in Saskatchewan 
yeah. being hunted by a, a, rare, a farmer. Yeah. You know, we have a young woman in Calgary who was cut up in pieces. We have another woman in Edmonton whose sexual organs organs were taken out. Yeah. Like what? Yeah. You know, you know, they talk about history of Jack the Ripper and all these, you know, yeah. horrible people. Yet it's happening, right? We don't have to go to the 18th century, 17th century early 1900s imagine all the shock and hate and horror towards uh the folks that are on the sea train imagine if they put half of that energy to all of this violence that we as uh indigenous people and BIPOC in general experience imagine if they had that sense of outrage and injustice but because they can't drink their teamies on the way on the sea train they're like oh we gotta get rid of everybody and throw them in jails and yet they're okay with part of Joey English being in the landfill. They're okay with a farmer killing Colton Bushy. They're okay with a young man uh, out at Siksika being murdered. Like I, I'm so sick of this. And and a special shout out to Cindy Gladue's family. You know, it when that happened, that was the moment of like I, I knew I was never gonna be safe in Canada. But that was the moment I was like, even after death, I will never be safe. They will likely rip me open, chop me up and use me as an exhibit, put me in a museum somewhere to be forgotten. Like, it's disgusting. These people, what they yeah, like, do to us. Like Jim Thorpe. Yes. You know, what they did with Jim Thorpe's body. And all the hundreds and thousands of bones in the Smithsonian. You know, the truth, when they say truth and reconciliation, are are they ready for the truth? No. And how are they going to reconcile the thousands of years from the time the Romans conquered them for them to become colonizers? At what point did they stop to think we're, we're no better than the Romans? Right. At what point do they say all those foundations of Aristotle and all those racist thinkers that made the foundations of the universities here. What is going to happen to, like I had a, uh, when I was young, I, I thought I was so proud about what the word civilization meant. You know, now I'm 71 and I'm going, I, I, I pray for, for those people who have a different way of dealing with trauma. Yeah. Our indigenous people have lived in, this land healing with the animals we've 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 been living with a living organism everything we live with creator has designed for us but yet when you have a colonial way of thinking that we are not connected that we don't mean anything some somewhere somehow it's going to take so much Look at the look at the fires in in Maui. Yeah. Look at all the the things that are happening in this world. And it was told it was told in prophecy. White buffalo calf woman. Thirteen generations ago, this was going to happen. You know, that's why. No matter how they want to look at indigenous people, let them. Let them look at us. If creator has given us these gifts, these, this spiritual activism for 
thousands of years, don't they think that creator's still going to watch us? I had my cousin say the the what police in Brandon, Manitoba said to said to my nephew, here, take this, see what your creator is going to do with it. So I'm just hoping um, as much as it hurts my heart that that as a human that Nathan Chasing Horse is no longer a human being. Uh, that he's turned into a monster. In in white society, they're going to put him away for life. That's how they deal with people like that. Yes, that's that's the that's the the fairy tale. Whether or not it happens, whether or not it happens is another thing. But I do really believe that. Um, hopefully, what we've talked about in this podcast will reach indigenous girls and women, you know, and, and they'll realize like they, they've been, they've been fighting and healing from white supremacy ever since they knew about him. Yes. And, yes. and, and we've been networking amongst each other as sisters. Yes. Yes. And Thank my you. Sisters, yeah. My sister said to me, she says, Marina, you have a different energy than, than I do. But you know, I, 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 like I said, I, uh, um, with this spiritual activism, you have to sacrifice. So the sacrifice I made, that's why I say I pray to those who I've been in contact with. I ask creator to protect them from me. Because mm. it's it's a very powerful message mm. that that creator has given me to, to tell people. Yeah. You know, and, and if it took that sacrifice of my life, then don't they understand? Generation after generation, our people have been asking for these things in prayer, just as I've done. Yes. We're, I'm no different than those who came before me. So thank you, Michelle. I'm so honored, Marina. And, uh, you know, my mother-in-law passed away. So I'm in your area quite a bit recently. So we'll have to get together here and know, again, you can reach out to me anytime because talking about these things is hard. It hurts. And that's part of the reason why I forwarded that email to you so that you can see these things and know that, as you said, we are a sisterhood in love and solidarity and we have to help each other and protect each other. So I'm honored you would come on and talk about this on Native Calgarian because it is so incredibly difficult for us as Indigenous women to talk about um, sexual assault, child abuse. And I just hope you know, I, I hope that we are inspiring somebody somewhere. I've heard, you know, people willing to buy a mortgage because I had a guy who talked about, uh, he was a realtor who's native. On. So, you know, th that inspiration, I hope, is what's going to go out there. And I'm going to give that preamble in the hopes that, you know, we a message to our young Indigenous women, girls, and two-spirit, we love you. And this gendered violence and racism you are experiencing is total colonialism. Um, so thank you for being on my show, Marina. Well, thank you for having me and guiding me in, in this direction. Um, I don't know if you understand, like, how putting you do you creating a dome of safety for me has um, made me um, realize, like, I did a lot of work and I and and uh, 
it's okay for me now to enjoy the rest of my life. Yeah. You know, yeah. travel, paint, um, the effort of uh, holding space for Nathan chasing horse to be accountable yeah. is, is done and over. Oh, and you, you've carried that flag and that burden for too long. And I uh, hate that you had to do it alone and worse experience so much violence, even from our own over it. So I'm honored to walk this journey with you, even if it's just for a short, brief moment in the incredible journey you've had. So thank you, Marina. And we'll connect here right after. So, um, and you're welcome back anytime as we go, as, as this uh, case unfolds and such, yes. you know, we'll talk about um, pieces of, of it as you need and, and as, as we should all should, as we should all unpack it. So um, thank yes. you, Marina. You're welcome. Okay, and I'm going to do my exit. You're welcome to join in. Okay. Uh, for folks who don't know, I do run an Indigenous book club, and it is meant more for settlers or Indigenous people trying to learn um, or just wanting to share a book with folks who are, are reading what we're reading. And uh, I think it's important that everyone reads reports. So September 11th, we're starting with the Pathways to Justice from the Alberta government, the 113 Pathways to Justice, and that's a provincial look at the National Inquiry's work and see what uh, see what they said and see what we can hold them accountable for. Um, October 9th is Cree lawyer Harold Johnston's book, Peace and Good Order, The Case for Indigenous Justice. As you just heard, we don't get any. <laughs> so maybe there's something good in that. Uh, November 13th, a report to guide the implementation of a national action plan on violence against in, uh, women and gender-based violence. Now. This uh, upsets me quite a bit because non-Indigenous need a non-Indigenous report when we have an Indigenous report that helps Indigenous and non-Indigenous, but we're going to ignore that one to focus on this non-Indigenous one, but whatever, we're going to read it. <laughs> December 11th, we're going to talk about making space for Indigenous feminism as edited by Joyce Green. So my hope is that we will get some inspiration from that too. Uh, the Reconciliation Action Group has... Um, I mean, we've been, we had our first uh, kind of get together here recently, and it was absolutely lovely uh, to finally get to meet some folks. And so for folks who are not from Calgary, there should be a uh, reconciliation committee somewhere in your life that you can join and be a part of, you know, doing actual action instead of just sitting around and going, oh my God, I'm sorry for Hernandez, because that's not helping no one. Anyway, I'm proud that this podcast has given solutions included cultural safety training and cultural first aid in all of them to create a safer space for Indigenous people of color, those with disabilities, and to us LGBTQ to speak. Uh, I want to say thank you to authors Cheryl Ward, Chelsea Branch, and Alicia Fridkin of heretohelp.bc.ca. They have uh, What is Indigenous Cultural Safety and Why I Should Care About It. Their work are those cultural action tools, so please Support Indigenous work like that as part of your reconciliation work and settler understanding. I'm just lucky enough to highlight and repeat it here. Uh, internalized racism and lateral violence is another form of violence Indigenous and marginalized people experience by the structure of systemic racism imposed on these lands. If you can donate or go to racialequitytools.org, it is free. Uh, they have resource files on what is internalized racism by Donna Bevins, but if you are a settler, be really great for you to help support some BIPOC cre content creators. 
do's and don'ts for bystander intervention by American Friends Service Committee. So you can go to afsc.org and type in the bystander. There's tons of resources there to help people. So tired of this. Uh, just a shout out to uh, Montgomery, Alabama, where that black fellow who was a security guard was trying to get these white folks to move. And you know who showed up? Other black people for him. Thank God. Now there are other ways to nonviolently do it. I just gave you a resource. But at the end of the day, white people, you're not showing up. Um, I do wish anyone who follows me on my social medias would watch the anti-racism organizational lead for the city of Calgary, giving uh, an internal committee presentation on the journey of becoming an anti-racism leader. Again, uh, truth and reconciliation can't work if you don't take anti-racism training. Here's another free resource for you. Um, the Calgary Black Lives Matter activists, Taylor McNally and Adora Nofler are being legally targeted. There are GoFundMes. If you can donate, please donate to them. Indigenous have been talking about our issues, sharing our traumas in reports, commissions, and public hearings, just so it can be regularly disregarded. No more. Honor our words. Honor the treaties. Listen to politicians. Uh, if they don't recognize marginalized folks or equity-seeking groups in their budget with gender equity-seeking or gender equity plus, if they're cutting violence prevention programs, indigenous education, uterus health choices, gay straight alliances, a lack of human rights for migrants, immigrants, or folks with disabilities, know that your vote to that person or party directly negatively impacts equity-seeking groups. Demand that they implement the Truth and Reconciliation Commission calls to action the recommendations of the Royal Commission on Aboriginal Peoples and the multiple reports about child welfare, child welfare reform and violence prevention. Now we have 231 calls to justice from the National Inquiry. Provincially, we have the 113 Pathways to Justice. Locally, we have the White Goose Flying Report. Denying these reports is a form of abuse called gaslighting. Our people are ex experiencing extreme racism in every institution with multiple reports that say the same thing. Demand change from election platforms and politicians. If they don't understand colonialism, treaty partnership, racism, privilege, sexism, they have zero business writing, should be understood by all parties, politicians, community organizations, uh, business groups, sports clubs, Google articles on how non-Indigenous Canadians can become allies because there's actually tons of them out there. Uh, Stephanie Harp and I had an emergency podcast in the hopes we could get our allies to write and do more on the crises that we are facing. You can go to aboriginalalert.ca and sign up to get notifications of Indigenous people that are missing in our area all across the country. Uh, you can also download an app for the Missing Children's Society of Canada um, there is a great statement that came out from the womenshomelessness.ca, a demand for urgent action to protect the lives of Indigenous women, girls, and two-spirit uh, experiencing homelessness. We have a huge drug crisis with an unsafe supply thanks to decisions made by policy. So you're not holding your politicians to account to allow this to continue. And both Marie and Marina and I talked about it for a moment. Um, if you know or, or you are using substances, please do not use alone. 
if you are using a loan, you can create a safety plan at National Overdose Response Service at 1-888-688-NORS. There are also some apps that you can use, the Brave, the Doors, and the Lifeguard app. If you're experiencing emotional distress after anything we talk about today and need to talk, you can call the First Nation and Inuit Hope for Wellness Helpline at 855-242-3310. You can also go to hopeforwellness.ca. And for immediate emotional assistance on the issue of missing and murdered Indigenous women, girls, and Two-Spirit, you can call this toll-free 24-7 crisis line at 844-413-6649. Uh, There is also a 60 Scoop Society of Alberta at ssisa.ca. You can call the Indian Residential Schools and Family Hotline at 866-925-4419. The Native Youth Crisis Hotline at 877-209-1266. For non-Indigenous, there's usually a functioning 211 in your area, or you can call at 833-456-4566 or text at 45645. Uh, If you go to crisisservicescanada.ca, you can actually even get more. Uh, The Kids Help Phone, 1-800-668-6868. If you identify as Two-Spirit, or uh, 2SLGBTQ in general. There are lots of um, resources available for you as well. Huge shout out to the Trevor Project for uh, youth, 866-844-7386. Trans Lifeline in Canada is 877-330-6366. And you can go to lifevoice.ca and they have tons of crisis supports for folks as well. Violence is my everyday reality. Every Indigenous generation has faced it. This is self-care, how I take my power back, how we get some Indigenous voices at the table in a colonial system of media that's never allowed it. Uh, This is why I started the podcast, to speak freely, without interruption, without tone police, leadership shaming, gaslighting questions, as many people don't want to hear Indigenous opinions, but they sure like to tell us theirs, and usually by people who know nothing about Indigenous people, know nothing about colonialism, know nothing about the constant surveillance of our uh, people, our protests and our vigils and our rights. I and many others share about uh, racism daily, so it's just unacceptable anymore. Learn about being trauma-informed. Folks like me are dealing with internalized racism, gatekeepers, and folks just stopping uh, things from being able to get done. Internal and external racism is an everyday reality for me, Indigenous people, folks with disabilities, QT, BIPOC, and more. Uh, Masi Cho to my ancestors, to my granny, to my mom of what strength looks like through your example. I want to thank my dad for teaching me to be strong and blunt, my stepmom for showing me what a proud culture is with her Austrian family and roots, and teaching me to be a proud Calgarian. To my husband, Darcy, he has spent hours encouraging me, being there for me, producing and editing the show, being my husband, our childhood uh, friend, father of my child, uh, support down my journey of this red road, and has witnessed decades of racism and sexism. To our child, Thunderpipe Necklace Woman, I am so blessed and honored you chose us. You give me daily accountability 
to be a better and stronger person. My hope is that my daughter, my family will be proud in the future of us discussing these present day issues in the way that they can down the road. Um, so today again is the 18th and um, my family is just being evacuated from Yellowknife and we have some cousins that are here in Calgary, uh, some that are in Red Deer and some that are in Edmonton. And um, I have a really hard time seeing all these non-Indigenous people say things like, oh my God, thoughts and prayers for all of you because you are the reason why this is happening. Our people have told you about climate change and now all of my people are at risk because of your choices when it comes to this capitalist economy. All those people in Maui that passed because of your choices of colonialism in Hawaii. I, I have no respect for your thoughts and prayers when you're a non-Indigenous person not lifting a finger for this issue that we're faced with now. It is our people that is taking the brunt of your privileges and the fact you don't see it. Anyway, my hope is that we can move everybody that needs to get moved down here in a safe way. Anyway, my Patreon account is Native Calgarian or you can pledge and support. Thank you previous donors for showing your support. If you value listening or watching and can afford to give, thank you. For those who cannot afford to give, I'd love to hear from you at nativeyyc at gmail.com or you can send in your comments or questions. I also have a YouTube channel that you can go and subscribe. You can go to nativecalgarian.com for the latest podcasts and pin posts on social media. And I wanna end by giving a side eye to those beautiful Calgary rabbits. You're lucky I'm not tradish. And my beautiful cousin responded, are you being my dish? Thank you so much, folks, for listening.